The International Association for Near-Death Studies presents NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. Welcome once again to NDE Radio with me, Lee Whitting. Whether you're listening by podcast or through the archives of our ad-free shows on our YouTube channel. As the world got caught up in the throes of the COVID pandemic in 2020, Pixar released a thought-provoking animation titled Soul. Perhaps it was because so many were sick and dying from COVID-19 at the time, but Soul became the third most streamed movie of the day and only falling behind Wonder Woman and Hamilton as two and a half million viewers engaged in the question of how new souls prepare for the journey into life on Earth and learn to face the question of whether it is purpose or spark that proves to be the more accurate guiding star for the impending adventure. Pixar didn't address the question of reincarnation in their film, choosing instead to portray pre-birth souls as excited and naive children. And yet the key storyline of the film revolves around how a middle-aged piano, uh, middle-aged uh, middle school piano teacher seeks to be an NDE-er rather than enter heaven, and how he tries to be born back into his old body. Anyway, if you haven't seen Soul, uh, it's worth joining Disney Plus to get a taste of Pixar animated theology. In the world of -of out-of-body storytelling on this show, pre-birth experiences have until now taken a backseat to NDEs. And yet, whether or not you believe in reincarnation, pre-birth memories should play an important role in our conception of the other side. Many children, while they're still young, retain memories of where they, and for that matter, all of us, came from. Our guest today, Melissa Denise, is especially blessed to have retained her pre-birth memories into adulthood, and to my mind, has found the best words available uh, to, to describe it to us. So today we are about to gain a profound glimpse from the point of view of where we came from. Many pre-birth experiences do not extend back so far that pre-birth heaven gets a description. Mainly pre-birthers were all involved, the ones that I've heard from, were all involved with planning life on earth and choosing the parents to be born to. But today's guest, Melissa, has retained a powerful vision of the heavenly bliss we left behind to be on earth for a while. And when you hear her describe it, you will wonder, as I have, why ever did we leave heaven at all? Melissa was born with pre-birth memories of love and light, but without the pre-birth language to explain. She longed as a child to find God and so held on to the memories of what she had lost. Then at 19, she had a spiritually transformative experience that provided a direct encounter with the love, light, and bliss of her pre-birth memories. This experience reinforced the intended direction of her life and her ongoing connection with divine love. Besides sharing her own experiences, she now enjoys interviewing other STEers on her YouTube channel, the Love Covered Life Podcast. Melissa, welcome to NDE Radio. Lee, thank you so much for having me on. I am just so excited and grateful for an opportunity to share my story and to be on your show as I've been listening to you for years now. (laughs) Well, Melissa, I have heard you describe in the most articulate way I could imagine what your pre-birth memories are all about. So I'm just going to stand back and let you tell our audience uh, what and where all the W's, who, what, where, when, and how of, of where we came from and what it was like. All right. I would love to, and feel free to stop me with any questions or anything you want me to add in. Very good. So I was born, as Lee said, with memories that I did not understand. Um, they are the most real thing about me. And this is going to be very hard. It's always very hard for me to put into words what this memory was like as a child. It was like it was the deepest part of me and it was the driving force of everything that I am, everything that I do. It was about trying to figure out what is this thing that I remember and how can I experience it again? So what I remember is different 
from what most pre-birth experiencers that I've heard of remember. They may have a sequence of events right before birth where they remember helping to plan their lives. And I, all of that has been blocked for me, except that I do remember choosing my red hair. I do remember that one thing about planning my life. I asked for red hair because of the, the color red, something about that color was going to remind me in this life that I had come here to learn unconditional love and to stay on course with my purpose. That's the only thing that I remember about planning my life. Most of my memories are not like a time sequence of events, not a something visual that I remember, which is why it's so hard for me to describe it. The best word that I can use to describe this is feeling. And I'm going to borrow language from Laura Micah here, who had an out-of-body experience. The words that she uses, excruciating ecstasy. And that is the best description that I have come across to describe what I remembered. So I had no framework to understand what this was, let alone language to describe it. So I did not talk about it until I was in my, I want to say, early 30s. And no matter what words I use, they fail miserably. But the best that I could do as a child was to say like love, bliss, ecstasy, um, the source and satisfaction of all desire. And my memories were very, and and I'm going to get into a lot more detail on what they were, but I'm just giving a little bit of background that my memories as a child were very quickly overridden by my religious upbringing. And my dad was a pastor who had gone to seminary and taught me very early on about the Judeo-Christian faith. And he taught me some of the names of God in the Old Testament in Hebrew. So um, El Shaddai was the one that stuck out the most to me because when I was five years old sitting on his lap and he taught me El Shaddai means almighty God or God who is enough. I had a flashback so strong of these memories and I latched onto that and I thought, that's what I remember. And I really thought I'm remembering God. And this must be an innate knowing that everybody has. I had no concept that it was a pre-birth memory. I just thought everybody knows this. Everybody remembers this. Everybody feels like I do. And I went on with my life and I um, really dove into my Christian faith. And most of what I actually remembered was lost for most of my childhood and teenage years. It wasn't until I discovered the near-death community and began to listen to other people's descriptions that I realized, wait a minute, this is a pre-birth memory. These people are describing exactly what I remember. And at that point in time, I began to be able to put language to it. So I'm going to use some of that language and try my best to describe what this is that I remember. Um, Just know that Nothing I say can come close and everything I say is going to fall way short, but I will do my best. So I remember being in a dark place that was an extremely comforting and nurturing place. I now believe it's probably the place that near-death experiencers call the void. It felt like a place of such deep self-reflection and healing like I was folding in on myself and just imagine that state that you're in when you're just about to fall asleep at night and try to magnify it by a hundred and you may get close to that feeling of peace the thing that I remember the most strongly about this place was the music it was like the entire universe was singing it was like the music of the spheres. I'm sure you've heard that phrase, but it was actual voices. It was the softest, most soothing voices, and it was directed towards me. It was like the entire universe was singing me to sleep, like like a mother singing her child a lullaby. And it was the, the, the most safe, the deepest comfort and peace that you could possibly imagine. 
I remember from a place of darkness, seeing beings of light going about their business in the distance and feeling at peace. And then this is the memory that has driven my entire life. I remember from that place of darkness, seeing the light, what near-death experiencers describe as the light. And as soon as you see the light, when you're in the darkness, it's so peaceful and comforting. But as soon as you see the light, it instantly becomes about desire. The only thought in your mind is getting to the light. It is extremely magnetic. It is all you can think about. And as you get closer to the light and as you come into the light, there are waves of love and peace and bliss. And once you are in the light, it is, as I said before, excruciating ecstasy. It is the source and satisfaction of everything that you could ever want. And you cannot think outside of it. I remember being completely surrounded it as if there were columns of light around me and I was tossed in the wind. I like to describe it as a hurricane of light. You could also just, I mean, there's so many words you could use to try to capture what it is. People have said, um, Kimberly Clark Sharp said that it, it was brighter than a million suns, but it doesn't blind or burn. And it's made entirely of love that is directed towards you. And that's one of the best descriptions that I have ever heard. So that is the strongest memory I have. That memory has never left me. And my entire life was about what is this thing that I remember and where did it go and how can I experience it again? Um, and I can, um, I'll get more into my story a little later on about how I did discover it again. But getting back to the pre-birth memories, I remember what I like to describe as a nursery. And it seemed to be a place where souls were born and or nurtured and grown. I remember, and some of this has come back to me later on, because as I said, a lot of it was overridden as a child and suppressed. But I remember there being um, beings of light that seemed like female beings of light that we might describe as angels that were there overseeing the growth of the younger souls. And I remember the incredible feeling of trust and comfort and peace when you are in that place with those beings, um, your angels or your guides, the ones who are helping you to grow and progress along your path. I remember that I couldn't stay there forever, though, although I, I didn't want to leave because I felt so safe and protected. Um, so what I have is a lot of just snapshots of memories of various things. As I said, I don't have a time progression. So I have that memory. Another thing that I remember since I was a very young child is what I call the garden of light or the place where there was Jesus and children. And this memory was triggered a lot for me as a child but I remember being with other souls that I perceived as being really young, or maybe it was just that they were very innocent because we were in our disembodied spirit state. And I remember being in a place made entirely of light. And I'm going to try to describe this because the light behaved differently there. It didn't travel in a straight line like it does here. It was more like waves. Everything was made up of waves of white light. And so imagine in the room that you're in right now, if everything was made of light, say this computer screen in front of me is made of light. My microphone is made of light. The, the desk is made of light. The walls of the room are made of light. I'm made of light. You are made of light. The air around you is made of light. Everything is made of light and the light is flowing from one thing into another. It's all connected. It's not separate objects. It's all one thing flowing 
from one to another. And the best description that I've come up with for this is like if you're in a hot shower and the the bathroom is completely full of steam. That's what it's like, except rather than steam, it's light. And I remember that the light was surrounding you and it was making you up, but it will, you could also feel it inside you. And when it was inside you, it felt like joy and laughter, specifically joy. It was like everything was made of joy. And I remember that Jesus was the brightest and he was the brightest because he had the most joy. He was so at peace and he was so happy and he was laughing. And it's interesting because a lot of near-death experiencers describe Jesus as having a great sense of humor. Another thing that I remember, and again, these are memories that have come back to me later. So I didn't, if I remember this as a child, I, I was really, really young. But I remember knowing that the other, what we call the other side, and this plane of existence in this physical world, they're not separate. They're so close. It's like layers of reality stacked on top of each other. So there's these beings that I was describing before that we might call our angels or our guides. And we think of them being on the other side, trying to guide us from the other side, but actually they're right here. And it's like, they're holding us like their arms are one slice of reality. And the physical world is the opposite side of that same coin. It's another slice of the same reality. It's all the same thing. So to be here in this physical world is to be held in the arms of our angels. They're closer than the air that we breathe. They're literally holding us, even though we can't remember and we can't always or often feel it. Um, They never leave us. Everything is okay. We are completely safe and we could never be lost. And I remember that I knew that coming in here. Another thing that I experienced very vividly is the contrast between here and there. And I don't remember most of the process of planning my life. I don't remember the process of coming in here or being born like a lot of pre-birth experiencers do that I've come to understand that was taken away from me for a reason because it would um, complicate complicate the reason why I came here if I remember that. But I do remember the react my reaction to being here. I felt so constricted. I felt trapped in my body. I felt unsafe, lost. And those are a lot of things that I've had to deal with in this life and work through. But the contrast to that is what we experienced over there, which is complete expansion and freedom, and joy, and bliss to the point where if we could feel that bliss in these bodies, it would probably destroy our physical bodies because it is so intense. So those are the pre-birth memories that I have, that I have remembered since I was born or that have come back to me in the best language that I've come up with to describe them. Is there anything that I missed or anything else you want to ask me before I proceed? I know you're going to talk more about your uh, spiritually transformative experience. So uh, that would be, um, but uh, I'll let you come to that when you do. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Okay. So as I was saying before, these memories just drove my entire life. And I was obsessed with figuring out what they were and how could I experience this again. And I thought being raised in a Christian home, oh, this is God that I'm remembering. And I do still believe that, but it was a much more limited idea of what that was. So I got involved in the charismatic church. I started seeking experiences. I, um, I started begging God 
every single night. Give me an experience. I want to experience your presence because I know if I could feel that again, my problems would go away. And I should back up a little bit. I mentioned that I had a really hard time adjusting to this life because of the contrast. And I became very depressed as a young child. I dealt with a lot of anxiety, depression, um, social awkwardness, just not being able to function in society. And as a teenager, I, it got so bad that I became suicidal and I just started begging God for an experience. Please let me feel that bliss again. I, I know that if I could just feel that for five seconds, I could have relief from my problems. And so I begged for years and years, I did all kinds of crazy things. I don't recommend trying to feel this bliss or find this bliss again. I would go out in crazy weather. I would do all kinds of things trying to stimulate an experience. And for years, it did not happen. And then for some reason, one night when I was around the age of 18 or 19, and I don't remember the exact age because I lost all of my, my writings from that time in my life. But I was laying in my bed at night, doing my usual, begging for an experience, not expecting anything to happen. And all of a sudden, I was in another reality. So one moment, I was laying in my bed, begging for an experience. And the next moment, I was in an ocean of love. I still perceived myself to be laying in my bed, in my body, but I was in another reality. I was surrounded by this love and it's going to take time for me to describe what this was like, but it was, it was instant recognition. It was like instantly I knew this is what I remembered from before. So it was complete, well, it was, first I'll say it was like waves of love were washing over my body. Like I was laying in the ocean and these waves were just washing over me and through me. And as it washed through me, it wiped away all of the mental and emotional anguish. All of the worries and cares of this life were just completely gone. And it was like, it felt like this force field of love that was surrounding me. And it was completely magnetic, just as I remembered it from before. And I felt like I was, it was my eternal father and mother, the place that I had been created, had been born and had come from. It was the most secure and safe that you can imagine. Like this is extremely hard for me to describe in words, but imagine this most safe and secure that you've ever felt maybe as a baby being cradled in your mother's arms or even in the womb and multiply it by a thousand and maybe it would get close, but it's like you're being held in the arms of the universe, the source of all that is. And And you realize how impossible it would be, how ridiculous it would be to think that you could ever be lost or that you could ever be loved or that you could ever be judged. And so I was just laying there in this ocean or this force field of love and safety and security. And as I said, I recognized it instantly. And I said, Where have you been all my life? I have been looking for you my entire life. And what took you so long to show up? And of course, that question was not answered. But I I was a little bit indignant that it had taken so long. I was also relieved to discover that what I remembered had in fact been real and had been far more than what I had been taught about in religion. So I'm not sure how long that portion of the experience went on, but at some point my consciousness expanded out of my head and I found myself no longer in my room. I'm not sure exactly where I was, if there is even a where, 
there was some points to this part of the experience where I was actually looking down on the earth. So maybe I was above the earth, but again, it wasn't really a, a visual experience. So there weren't any markers for me to say, this is where I was at. Um, it was an experience of pure consciousness. And um, what near-death experiencers will call ultimate knowledge. Because what happened is I was there with this presence and I began asking questions, things that I had always wanted to know. And as soon as I would ask one question, I would receive this huge download of information that would contain the answer to the question I had asked, as well as how that question fit in with everything else in the universe. And I know that sounds completely impossible, but this was happening at the speed of light. I would ask a question, instantaneously get a download, and then ask like 10 more questions and get huge downloads of information to answer all of those. And I, my consciousness was expanding as I was receiving information. And this was all happening like at the speed of light. Like it was there all happening instantaneously, like one download on top of another. And I expanded like this. So in one sense, the experience happened so fast and then it was over. But in another sense, because time doesn't work the same way there, I was having all these realizations and all these experiences, some of which I'll get into in a minute at the same time. So I expanded extremely fast And when I was at my most expanded, I had, I realized a couple things. First of all, it felt as if I contained everything that exists. I knew everything there was to know, and it was all inside of me. And I was still me as I would describe me as a individual consciousness, but I also contained and knew everything else. Another thing that I saw in that expanded state, and I had to go all the way to the most expanded state possible to see this and understand this, but I saw what, what I called the key to life and why everything has to be the way that it is. And it was so simple that I laughed at it. And I said, how did I not know this? How did I forget this? But for some reason, we can't understand it in this more contracted state. After I saw that, I instantly began contracting back into my head. However, before I get to that point, I'm going to backtrack and say, at the same time, I had these other experiences and I have these other memories that I'm going to share. Most of the knowledge that I gained in that expanded state, I was not allowed to remember. But there were two things that I was allowed to remember. The first one was that I looked down on the earth and I saw that everything down here is made of brilliant light. And this, the analogy that I was given is if anyone has ever flown in a plane on a cloudy day and it's cloudy and stormy as you're rising up into the air, but then when you get up above the clouds, you you look down, you see the clouds and you see how brilliant and bright it is up above the clouds because the sun is shining. Well, it's similar to that, except when you have an experience like this, you wake up, you come up above the storm clouds into the light, and then you look down onto the earth and you see that the storm clouds are an illusion. They don't exist at all. Everything is made of brilliant light, and the brilliant light is the arms of the love that created us. So we are literally made of this light, and I saw that everything on earth was made up of this light. So the trees, the buildings, the people, us, we are made of light. We are perfection. Everything is perfection, and as much as we might think that we're alone, we might think we're lost, we might think we're sinners, whatever we think about ourselves. The truth is that we're made of light and we're held in the light and we're part of God and we can't get away from that even if we wanted to. So when I woke up into that state and I was surrounded by brilliant light, it was like waking up from a nightmare and remembering 
And I was told everything in your life is proceeding exactly as it is supposed to. You have encountered all of these hardships, these mental and emotional, um, this mental and emotional anguish that you're going through. But the truth is that you have nothing to feel guilty for. You have nothing to feel ashamed of. Judgment is not awaiting you on the other side. You are doing exactly what you had planned to do coming into this life. Everything is proceeding exactly as it's supposed to. And we are so proud of you and we support you and we love you unconditionally. Even if you were to completely mess this life up and go off plan, we would still love you, but that's not possible because everything always proceeds according to plan. So that's what I was shown about my life. And I cannot adequately describe the sense of peace and relief that I had when I was shown that. The other thing that I was shown is, and this was when I was, again, at my most expanded state. I looked down and I saw God's cosmic master plan. And those are the exact words I was given. I know it sounds a little bit cheesy, but I looked down and I saw this beautiful, beautiful, living, multidimensional Mandela pattern. And it was made up of all these different colors and shapes that were moving and shifting within itself. And what I was shown is that things that we perceive to be both good and bad happen on our journey, but it is all ultimately good. Everything, even though it may appear to be bad to us here, it is ultimately good. It has all worked for good. And there's this current around the edge of the plan of the Mandela pattern that is pulling everything back into love. So I was shown that, and that's the only other thing that I was allowed to remember. And then um, what happened is I was sucked back into my head and my consciousness began to contract. And I felt the knowledge I had gained falling out of me like air leaves a balloon. And one thing that I don't think I've ever mentioned, I keep forgetting to mention it, is the music, again, is the most powerful thing I remember about that experience. And I specifically heard it during that whole time, but I noticed it when I was coming back into my head. It was like this majestic symphony playing and it was the mu- it was the universe the music of the universe everything was singing and I heard it as I was coming back into my head so I contracted back into my head and all the knowledge fell away and then like I clicked back into place in my body and I was at the same time not happy to be back but also blown away at what I had just experienced And I felt that that force field of love, it stayed with me until I fell asleep. And when I woke up for the next couple of days, I felt a a glow around my body. Eventually that faded away too. So that's what I remember of my experience. Wow. That's amazing. One One of the reasons I gather that you became depressed early on was uh, the way you were being taught in church, the, the, the typical Christian interpretation of God. How, if you were, say, the Pope of a Catholic church, <laughs> for instance, how would you change things? How would you change the mm. teaching that children go through in their religious education? Wow, that's a great question. I never thought about that. I would make the, I would make the great commandment love God and love your neighbor, the foundation of everything. And I would teach people that they are beautiful, incredible, divine beings, incarnations of love that are here to learn about love and to express love and enjoy love. And that part of being in this physical life is experiencing the opposite of that. So we have limitations in our body, mind, and personality 
but that's not actually who we are. And I think I would, I would change the way that um, the church or Christianity tends to look at sin as an offense against God and say, instead, no, it's the limitations are part of this life. And we're here to learn how to deal with that. We'll learn how to, we're here to learn how to grow through those things and frame it in a much more positive light that empowers people rather than um, showering them in all of this guilt and shame over who they are and, and what they've done or what they're capable of doing. I think that we would see humanity really rise to a new level um, and discover what we're actually capable of if we were to change some of those teachings. I know you uh, saw the key and lost the key to why we're here. Uh, just winging it like an ordinary mortal. Why do you think we're, um, if, if we are so blissed out in heaven and so mm-hmm. attached to the light and that we're part of the light, what the heck are we doing here? What is the, what, what's the, why are we uh, going through this very painful um, s- place of separation? I mean, this mm. place is designed to separate. And, uh, and that's just contrary to our natures, isn't it? Yes. So why? <laughs> yes, that is the question that I have been digging for. And I ask every single person that I interview this question. Um, <laughs> I well, first of all, you asked winging it. What do I think the key was? I my best guess is it's love. Hmm. I think that everything is about love. And as to why we're here in these bodies, each person might have a reason that's slightly different. Maybe some people are here for an experience or to learn a lesson or to challenge themselves or in a specific area. But I think ultimately we are here to contribute to the expansion of love itself. I think that, you know, the old saying, um, I'm, I'm going to, I, I'm going to say this wrong, but no, I'm not even going to go there, <laughs> but it's being consciousness bliss. I can't remember how you say it in the Sanskrit language. But this description of God, that God is, but God is eternally experiencing what God is. So how, why does God need to experience what God is if God already knows what God is? That's what we have a hard time wrapping our, our minds around. Why do we need to come here and experience love, experience God's nature, if we are already that? And we already know what that is. Well, it's because there's this tension where at the same time, God is, or the universe is, or love is, whatever word you want to use, is absolute perfection. But on the other hand, it is absolute perfection because it is knowing itself. It is constantly learning about itself and expanding and evolving what it is. And so I think that although this is somewhat beyond our ability to understand, we could boil it down by saying we are contributing to the expansion of love, to the evolution of God himself. I like how Christian Sundberg puts this. He said that we're on the cutting edge of creation here. We're very brave souls who have agreed to come here and do this because we want to be part of it something exciting. We want to see how far away from my source can I get myself and still be what I am and still learn how to connect to what I actually am, which is perfect love. And in doing so, somehow we strengthen love. We make love itself stronger. So that's my best way of explaining it. (laughs) But we're children playing in a safe environment we're in a playpen that protects us from going too far away from love so that we could become eternally separated which is of course what christian tradition describes as hell 
Yeah, that's, that's what I was told. And it went against everything I had been taught in church, but I was, I was shown there's nothing that you can do to be eternally lost. It's just so impossible from that, from God's perspective that it's, he laughs at, at that idea. Yeah. You described the nursery where Jesus was playing with the souls about to be born. What are your thoughts about reincarnation? Mm. That's another topic I've thought a lot about. There is There are some near-death experiencers that say, yes, we reincarnate multiple times. There's others that say, no, we just have this one life. And I think that there's a higher truth that encompasses both both sides of things. And I don't fully understand what it is, but I do think, I don't think that we probably come back here and reincarnate infinite number of times, like, like some teachings would say, um, that almost seems as bad to me as going to hell forever, (laughs) because this earth can be pretty hellish at times. I think what I think is that There is a vast universe and there's infinite number of places that we can go to have different experiences or learn different things. And I think we do that. Do some of us come back to earth? Yes. I think maybe some people do get sucked in with karma of past, past choices or attachments that they have to this place and keep coming back. Maybe some, some souls choose to keep coming back here for the challenge, but I don't think that anybody has to. I think there's many other places that we could go, that we could reincarnate, that we could do different things or have different adventures. And I also think there's an aspect to this that we can't quite understand because technically we're all a part of the one being. So you have an incarnation, Lee, and I have an incarnation that's two incarnations that God had, that the one being had. And technically we could say, I had two incarnations because I'm you and you are me in a sense. Hmm. So it's in a sense, it's beyond our ability to understand, but yes, I do believe in reincarnation. No, I don't think it's anything to fear. I don't think it's like we get trapped doing this against our will. In some Eastern religions, uh, there are teachers who are considered heroes for returning over and over to uh, make sure that everybody gets it after a while. They don't want to go back to the bliss themselves until they know that everyone is on that, on that path. Of course, it seems like, from what you've said, that everyone is on that path anyway, sooner or later. But uh, anyway, I had a thought while you were talking about looking down on the earth and seeing everything was light and the earth was light that, um, and I'm no physicist at all, but at at CERN, they came up with a Higgs boson particle, which apparently makes vibration uh, material. It makes it possible for what would be like, what you could call light vibration is, is a form of light makes it possible to materialize. In other words, to become solid, flesh and bone and stone and tree and and water and so forth. And uh, so perhaps it's um, within the realm of uh, a physical um, discovery, a scientific discovery, that this other side that we keep talking about is really part of the whole, in fact, is the whole. I don't know that science will ever get there, <laughs> but I keep rooting for it because I think uh, truth is truth, and we should all be ultimately in the, arriving at the same location. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And if you look at the work of people like Joe Dispenza, like if science would take, if the scientific community would take work like what he's doing seriously, then I think we would get farther with it a lot faster. Hmm. There are many ears. I, I realized, um, especially after I was a chaplain, hospital chaplain and meeting people who'd coded and recovered, and I talked to them about it. Um, what do you think, 
I know you're doing a podcast and this is bringing stories to the public as this show does as well. What do you think other, other than um, that, that um, NDEers, experiencers of all sorts should, um, should do to bring about change and to Mm. promote love in the society? Yeah. Well, for those who want to share their story, I think that's really powerful. I know not everybody is comfortable with that and that's fine, but if you've had an experience and you feel inclined to share, it can touch so many people and it can be enough. Um, Kimberly Clark Sharp's near-death experience story was enough to awaken me because it, it triggered that in me to remember, oh yeah, that's what I experienced. And I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of people have um, suppressed memories or things that could be brought back up for them just by hearing someone else's experience. But really, having said that, the message of most near-death experience accounts seems to be love. Like you change the world through small, simple acts of love and kindness. And I think that is the most powerful thing that we can do. If every single person could just focus on loving the person next to them every day, in my opinion, we could, we could change the world overnight. We could solve the problems of the world overnight. The uh, despair that you felt is a common experience among people, that they feel like there's no answer. One of the things that kids wind up doing is getting addicted to drugs because mm-hmm. they're looking for answers in either things that make them feel blissful or hallucinogenics that give them visions. I know now they're trying to uh, work actually with uh, a psychedelics under uh, a psychologist's care in order to take people out of addictions, all kinds of different addictions. But have you had any thoughts about the drug experience versus the, the real experience? Mm, that's a great question. And I've never had an experience with drugs. So I don't know if I could personally compare those two things. I was very, um, I always felt like I had to be careful because I always avoided like alcohol or anything like that because I felt like I had an addictive personality, like because of these things I was remembering because I was constantly seeking that bliss. I had to be really careful with it. But what I did do is I became a spiritual experience junkie (laughs) (laughs) and um, was constantly living for my next high that I would get from spiritual experiences. Um. So I don't know if I could speak on the drug situation personally. You started to, um, to write a book. Where is that mm. now? Yes, I, I did not end up doing anything with that because I wrote that book at the beginning of my deconstruction when I had just discovered near-death experiences and my views have changed so much that I'd have to go back and rewrite it. And I do, I am planning to do that. It's just a matter of finding the time. (laughs) (laughs) And how is the, tell us about the podcast when you started it, you know, what kind of guests you're looking for and uh, what you hope to achieve with it. Okay, absolutely. I started the podcast the beginning of 2020 and then It is a YouTube channel, actually. And at that time, I was creating my own content. The beginning of 2021, I began interviewing near-death experiencers. And it has just really, really grown since then. So I enjoy interviewing near-death experiencers, anybody who has deconstructed from a religious background and landed in a positive place, or really anybody who has a positive message to share, to contribute, contribute to the awakening that we're going through in the world today. What do you think about our obligation? Since the earth is light, just as we are, mm. what are our obligations to the environment? Mm. I would say that everything in the natural environment, whether it is 
humans, animals, plants, the earth itself is made of the same divine light. And so I think as humans, we're supposed to be stewards of the earth. We're supposed to take care of it. And I think we need to learn as much as possible to begin living more in balance with nature to where we're not um, taking and consuming more than we're giving back and treating really seeing and treating everything as divine learning to see everything with love. Um, George Rodonia is a near death experiencer that I discovered early on. And I just love the way that he put it. And I can't remember the exact quote, but he said that it is the most beautiful act of service just to love people to love animals, to love nature, just because it is. Well, we are running out of time here. There was one line here that I thought was really nice. There are memories like fingerprints on my soul hidden somewhere deep in the fabric of my being. I don't know what I want you to say about that other than <laughs> that, uh, that, that that was a, a, a true expression. I, I think you have chosen some of the finest ways of um, expressing things concerning the other side that that I've run into in a long time. And I'm just really glad to have had you on the show. If people want to know more about you and uh, your writings and getting perhaps offering their experiences on your podcast, Mm. how would you have them get in touch with you? Absolutely. And first, thank you so much for your kind words about my writing, Lee. If people would like to get in touch with me, um, you can find me at on YouTube at Love Covered Life Podcast. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Melissa Denise, D-E-N-Y-C-E. If you would like to be interviewed on my channel, you can email me at Melissa at lovecoveredlife.com. And that's the best way to get in touch with me. All right. And I should say you are in uh, a Montana, yes? Yes, I'm in Montana. So if they are, uh, just take the time zones into account if you're trying <laughs> to, to uh, contact her and get a response. Well, my thanks to you, Melissa, for sharing the amazing description of your pre-birth memories and, uh, and your thoughts about all of this. You will be both on our YouTube channel, and I believe L- Lilia wants to to have a portion of this video on the Facebook page because she was very interested in, in what you had to say as well. So two sources for listeners to go and hear this show besides a talk zone where, where it first comes out. If listeners would like to hear the show again or any of our more than 400 archived ad-free NDE interviews, go to Talk Zone's NDE radio site and hit the past shows button. Or go to our YouTube channel, NDE Radio with Lee Whitting, where you can subscribe to and comment on the complete NDE Radio library. And be sure to like, follow, and share our NDE Radio Facebook page. Just search uh, NDE Radio with Lee Whitting on your Facebook app. And listen next Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern at Talk Zone for more NDE Radio. I'm your host, Lee Whitting, saying thanks for listening.